Hello, Willingdon Church, and all of our guests tuning in today. So here we are, 2021, and Metro Vancouver, no less the whole province of British Columbia, is currently under tight social restrictions. Over 2 million people live in this small region, and we cannot see anyone beyond our household. Relationships, one of the base human needs, one of the primary reasons for why humanity exists, are currently on hold. But we have entered a new year, and with this new year brings new hope. Vaccines are being rolled out, and there's an expectation that this year will be when restrictions become lifted more than ever, and we prepare to come out of this global pandemic once and for all. As we approach what we hope to be a return to a more normal life, I want to ask you, what have you learned from 2020 that will cause you to live differently in 2021? Living through 2020 taught me a few important things. First, I learned that I developed this weird habit where I count the number of bleach bottles and toilet paper bundles that people have stuffed into their carts as they leave Costco. I clearly need to work on being a little less judgmental. Sorry to all the TP hoarders that are watching this right now. Secondly, I learned that doing small talk over video calls is in fact equally as exhausting as doing small talk face to face. Don't worry, it doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. I just need to make sure I get some me time or some in-depth conversations afterwards. Thirdly, I learned that even when COVID made it so that you literally can't go out to any events or activities, there still somehow isn't enough time in the day for me to clean my bathroom or meal prep for the week. If only God would make our days longer, then I could actually get around to those things. But honestly... This pandemic has taught us a lot of really profound lessons in life. We realize that we can't depend on our finances as much as we thought as economies around the world have ground to a halt and many of us even lost jobs and businesses overnight. We saw the shortcomings of our medical system as hospitals were quickly overwhelmed when COVID cases flare up and the time it takes to get a trustworthy vaccine is still in question. On a more personal level, we saw that when we are forced into isolation and have many of the comforts and regular rhythms of life stripped away from us, deep, dark things begin to emerge. Maybe it was allowing our fear to become anger and taking our anger out on our loved ones. Maybe you found yourself reverting to addictive behaviors and coping mechanisms that you thought you would put behind you. Or maybe it was repeatedly choosing mindless distractions over growing in relationship with God and reaching out to others. This past year has shown us that when life is out of control, we don't always respond in the healthiest ways. And this barely scratches the surface of the impact that this global pandemic has had on life as we know it. That being said, amidst all of the life lessons we've received through this pandemic, one of the biggest lessons of them all has been how desperately dependent we are on social interactions and meaningful relationships. The words of Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 have impacted us viscerally as God declared, it is not good for man to be alone. Those words written thousands of years ago are no less true today. The collective experience that we all had during the COVID lockdowns of 2020, and will undoubtedly come up again in the future, was feeling the absence of the power of relationships in our lives. What do I mean by that? 
Relationships are inherently powerful because God created humanity to be in relationship. For starters, God himself is relationship. God is Father, Son, and Spirit in one. Perfect relationship and community for all eternity. Secondly, we are made in God's image. God made the first man, Adam, in his image. Up until that point, God said everything about all of creation was good. The first thing God said was not good was in Genesis 2.18 when he saw that Adam was alone. It is not good for people to be alone. Adam needed to be in relationship to fulfill the image of God, so God created the first woman, Eve, and made her in his image. Now Adam and Eve could be in relationship and reflect the relational nature of God with each other. Relationships are inherently powerful because the fundamental purpose for God creating us was to be in relationship. Why else do you think that Jesus said the two most important commandments are to love God and to love others as yourself? At their core, these two commandments are about being in good relationship with God and others. We need to be in relationship in order to love. I am excited and honored to teach on a passage of scripture today that speaks to the power and importance of relationships. So please turn with me to John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. The entire chapter of John 17 is an extended prayer from Jesus where he submits himself to God the Father's will and prays on behalf of his disciples and all future followers of Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus' prayers look like beyond the Lord's Prayer, John 17 is an intimate glimpse into how he prayed. In John 17, 20-23, Jesus is in the process of praying for his disciples. And after praying for God the Father to not take his disciples out of the world, but rather to send them into the world and protect them, he proceeds to pray this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I love this passage and I wish I could spend a lot more time on it, but I will share a few key principles that we find here. First, God wants to guide and empower our relationships to be completely unified. Verses 21 and 22 say that Jesus desires that we all may be one, just as the Father is in Him and He in the Father. Jesus gave us the glory that He had received from the Father so that we may be one just as God is one. Now, there's different ways of interpreting what the glory is that Jesus speaks to here. One way of looking at it is that the glory Jesus is referring to is the presence of God's Holy Spirit within us, the third member of the Trinity. Jesus had the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove to begin his earthly ministry in Matthew 3. And Paul says in Romans 8 that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives in us. It's through the Holy Spirit that God wants to fill us with his love, empowering us to be in close relationship with each other so that our unity would reflect the Trinity. 
This brings us back to Genesis, which I mentioned earlier, that God is three persons in one being. His nature is relationship, and he created us to be in relationship with him and each other. Though our relationship with God and others was broken through our disobedience to God and bringing evil into the world, God is working to redeem and restore all things through his presence at work in us. God has chosen to work primarily through the church to restore relationships between God and others. Secondly, the beauty of our relationships will help lead people to knowing Jesus. Verses 21 and 23 both declare that the world will know God sent Jesus due to our unity and love as a church family. What a fantastic promise today and vision for the future that is. God's work in our lives has allowed for our relationships to be so close and meaningful that when people who don't know Jesus observe our interactions with each other, they won't be able to help but ask, where in the world does this level of love come from? And our answer is that it does not come from this world. It comes from the God who created this world. Do the relationships in your life currently reflect such a depth of love as this? Mine don't as much as I'd like, but that's okay because we know the potential that exists and the direction that we can go. And we will never be able to get there on our own, but only through the powerful work of God's Spirit in our lives, transforming our hearts and giving us the capacity to love others in greater ways than ever before. So let's go to God to receive the ability to love and care for each other so well that people outside of the church will want in. And thirdly, God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus says that he wants the world to know that God the Father loves us even as he loves Jesus. This is a mind-blowing, life-changing truth. I cried when I first read it. If you've ever felt unloved or even unlovable, if you've been told that you don't matter, that people don't care about you, that you felt rejected and pushed away from relationships with others, then please hear these words today. God the Father has chosen you. He has adopted you. He loves you even as he loves Jesus. He values you that highly. So may those words from Jesus resonate in your soul today and begin to rewrite any false narratives that have been spoken over your life and written on your heart. The truth here is that God has made his love for you clearly known, and he wants you to live in the joy and freedom of being loved in a way that no one could ever take from you. God the Father loves you even as he loves Jesus. Let's make the whole world know that and share that love with each other. Can you imagine us becoming a church where every newcomer is spotted and invited into meaningful relationships? Where people who might be excluded from parties or celebrations have people reaching out to them and pulling them into supportive community and fun experiences. Here's our current situation, Willingdon Church. Vancouver is famous around the world for the levels of loneliness that people experience living here. Maybe some of you are shocked by that. Maybe some of you are nodding your head and feel the deep pit of loneliness in your soul even as you're watching this. In an article written by The Guardian, a well-known UK-based paper, a man was interviewed who moved to Vancouver and lived here for seven years. During that time, he said that he did not have a single person invite him out. 
No co-workers inviting him for drinks. No birthday parties to attend. Nothing. All he had is what he personally initiated. So what's an antidote for such a lonely, disconnected culture as Metro Vancouver? You may have guessed it. God's presence working through us as his church, just like John 17, verse 20 to 23 says. God wants to create increasingly great unity among us and have us reflect his love and intimacy in such a way that people will be happy to be invited into our community. If you want to see a great example of this happening in our church, then please go and visit our international language groups when we can gather again in person or send them a message to connect with them online. They have to be some of the most warm, welcoming, invitational people that I've ever met. When I served here as a pastoral intern and worked with our ILM groups, it was one of the greatest four-month periods I ever had because I never lacked a good meal, I never lacked a good conversation, and I never lacked opportunity to build friendships with others. I continue to be invited back just to hang out with them even though I no longer serve there. They make me and many others feel so loved and honored. Our ILM groups are just one great example among many in our church that model the invitational and hospitable qualities that the church ought to be living out. So let's keep pressing forward in this area, Willingdon Church. Some of you might be feeling the conviction to begin to invest in other relationships right now. Maybe you're seeing how you've missed opportunities to be more invitational and to step out of your shell. Maybe the loneliness you experienced through COVID has been a wake-up call for your need to invest in others and share the love of God. Trust me, lots of people have felt the same way. You might be asking, how do I even begin to do this? That's a great question. We can begin by addressing what the things are that have held us back from stepping out to initiate and invest in new relationships. A few common struggles I've seen are the fear of rejection. Fearing rejection is a very real and very challenging roadblock to initiating and investing in relationships. That being said, it's not a valid excuse to hold us back from inviting others into our lives. You might be thinking, What if they don't like me? Or what if I throw a party and no one shows up? Those things could happen. And if they do, then we need to look to Jesus. He was rejected and abandoned by all of the closest people in his life at different points, even though he loved them perfectly and did nothing to deserve it. So when it comes to a fear of rejection, Jesus knows how intimidating and painful it can be. He experienced it and sets an example for us by pursuing relationship with us, even though we all still reject him in different ways every day. Why does he do this? Because he loves us. He puts up with our rejection and keeps inviting us back because his perfect love compels him. And do you want to know something really powerful? We have been given that same love to pursue others. So we need to ask ourselves, What is the worst thing that could happen if you invite some people to hang out and they say no? The worst thing is that they say no. That's it. The potential for a beautiful community to form from us inviting others into our lives far outweighs the potential hurt that can come from being rejected. Let's pursue creating beautiful communities, investing in the power of relationships, and being prepared for rejection along the way. 
Another roadblock is the influence from the culture around us. The social experience of Vancouver is quite individualistic and even tribal in nature. People look out for themselves. They're just trying to make money and afford living here while taking advantage of all the pleasure and leisure that Vancouver provides. And these aren't bad things, but if that's our main focus in life, then it naturally limits our time and energy for investing in robust community. And when people do develop a form of community in this city, they tend to keep their circle small, almost tribal. There's so much diversity in Vancouver, ethnically, culturally, subculturally, that when people are able to bond over something, they hold dearly onto those relationships and don't look to bring anyone else in who doesn't fit the mold. The fact that the community of Willingdon Church represents almost a hundred different nations is already a beautiful countercultural stand amidst the inherent tribalism of Metro Vancouver. That being said, we still need to ask ourselves, have we let the individualistic and tribalistic culture that we live in seep into our church relationships? Have you kept your small circle closed in our church and stuck to befriending only people who are easy to get along with? I know I have, and it's not okay. If you find yourself like me, then we need to ask for forgiveness from God and begin to open up our friend circles and our lives and invite others to experience the goodness that we have to offer. Another roadblock is simple lack of awareness. Some people just aren't aware that it's a struggle to make meaningful relationships in church. You probably have great community yourself. You're content with the people around you and just assume that everyone's experience is more or less the same. I wish you were right. I've had the privilege of attending multiple churches throughout my life, and I've experienced the lovely worship gatherings and different communities around BC. I've also experienced how hard it is to get connected into meaningful relationships at church. Whether small or large, relationships don't come automatically. So, if you were unaware of this before watching the sermon, then you can now consider yourself aware and help us in this mission of investing in other people and drawing them into your friend circles. And if you are a person like me, who struggled to connect in a new church, then please know that we can't just sit around and wait for other people to reach out to us. It's almost impossible for people to know if we're already connected and need to be invited anywhere or not. So if we aren't, then remember it's our responsibility to reach out to others so that we can begin the process of developing and investing in meaningful friendships. With those few roadblocks to relationships being addressed, here are four takeaways that can help encourage you in how to start the process of investing in others. First, let's look to the power of showing interest. When it comes to initiating relationships, one of the best places to start is simply by showing interest in other people. Someone who's amazing at this in our community is Pastor Rob Penner. When he first came onto our church staff team this year, every time he passed me, he stopped to ask me meaningful questions. He showed me that I'm valuable, that I'm worth his time, and that he genuinely wanted to get to know me as a person. If he ever invited me to spend time with him or his circle of friends, it would be easy for me to say yes because he already made me feel like I matter to him. In the Bible, we see Jesus doing this in John chapter 1 when he came across Nathanael. 
Nathanael was a young man who had been told about Jesus. But Nathanael was a hater, and he doubted that Jesus could be anyone important. He's well known for quoting, Can anything good come from Nazareth? That was Jesus' hometown. However, when Nathanael actually met Jesus, he was surprised to see Jesus take interest in him and make time to talk with Nathanael at a deep level. Jesus revealed that he cared about Nathanael and understood who he was and where he came from. Jesus' demonstration of taking interest in Nathanael softened his heart and made him open to desiring to know Jesus personally. Think about it. If Jesus had just passed by and not taken any special interest, Nathanael may have easily remained a hater and continued rejecting Jesus. But showing interest in people is a fantastic way to open the door for relationship. So what do we do then after showing interest to others? Secondly, we look to the power of an invitation. The wonderful interaction that Nathaniel had with Jesus might not have happened if it wasn't for Nathaniel's friend Philip inviting him to meet Jesus. As I mentioned in the last point, when he was first told about Jesus, Nathaniel's first response was denial. He did not believe that Jesus could be the great person that Philip said he was. What was Philip's response? Come and see. Philip invited Nathaniel to join him. If Philip had taken Nathaniel's negative response personally, he might have just said, whatever man, your loss, and left him behind. Instead, Philip chose to invite Nathaniel, to love him enough to bring him along the journey, even though he was being a hater. The result? Nathaniel had a transformational encounter with Jesus. There is great power when we invite people into the journey of our lives, even when they're unpleasant to be around. There could be far greater potential to change someone's life through a simple invitation than we realize. When we think about inviting others into our lives and into our friend circles, we ask ourselves the question, what exactly are we inviting people into? What kind of community are we? The third takeaway, we can look to the power of intimacy. All sorts of communities exist, and they each have their different distinctives. Some might be focused around hobbies, others around a particular career or education, others are formed around long-term friendships from grade school, and others around a desire to party and live the fast life. When we consider what type of community we are inviting people into, we know that no matter what niche it may serve, it's a community that needs to be intimate. A community that shares a deep love for one another. One of the clearest examples of our need to have intimate, loving communities goes back to John 17, 20-23. Jesus says repeatedly that all of his followers need to be so united, so committed to each other in love, that they become one. The shocking statement that Jesus makes in verse 21 is that he wants the church to be just as close to each other as Jesus was to the Father. When we follow Jesus, we become adopted as children of God and begin to live in the family of God. The degree of love that this community shares can easily be described as intimate. And there's power in this intimate love. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The intimate love that was shared in the community of the earliest followers of Jesus resulted in many new people being added to their community day after day. And lots of them ended up believing in God as a result of the love they experienced. 
When we share that level of love with each other, people will want to join into what we have. So, what do we do when people want to join? That leads to my fourth takeaway. We need to look to the power of inclusion. Jesus' ministry included people who he otherwise had no business being with or befriending. Part of his magnetism was his ability to love people who were typically discarded and pushed away by society. People without friends, people without social status, people neglected by society. Jesus got involved in their lives and found himself with people on the margins. I wonder if this is because Jesus himself could identify as one rejected by society. He knew his perfect identity as the Son of God and was completely secure in his relationship with God the Father. Yet, he was able to empathize with the outcasts because Jesus himself was an outcast. The people of his own religious circles rejected him. His family rejected him. His disciples deserted him. People came to him for healing and provision and left once they got their fill. The Bible says Jesus spent lots of time in lonely and desolate places. Even though he was constantly rejected, he still created beautiful, robust community among those who were also rejected by society. And this is the power of inclusion. No one saw it coming that Jesus' small, motley crew of followers would end up becoming the largest, most influential religion in world history. No one would have believed that the followers of Jesus would multiply around the world, transcending cultural, racial, and socioeconomic lines. But this is the power of relationship. This is the power of the Holy Spirit uniting us, working through our relationships with each other to bring others in to experience the incredible love of God. Willingdon Church, if you commit to make 2021 a year that we intentionally invest in new relationships and become an increasingly hospitable, invitational community, we can't even begin to imagine the beauty and opportunity that awaits us. Opening up our lives to new relationships will transform us, it will transform others, it will transform neighborhoods and communities, and those communities will transform the world. Let's make 2021 the year that we invest in the power of relationships. So you might be wondering, what are some ways that we can engage in relationships right now during these COVID restrictions? First, ask God who you should text today. Send someone a text, reach out to them, and let them know that they matter to you. Secondly, join a life group if you're currently not involved in one. The people in your life group can become some of the most important relationships in your life. All of our life groups are currently meeting on Zoom. Third, if you're currently in a life group, ask yourself who you know that would be good to invite into the community that you have. And fourthly, reconnect with family members. Practice showing greater interest and making more time in your life for the people who are closest to you. Well, As we bring this message to a close, I'd just love to pray for us before we move into a time of communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing truth that you have given us in your word. God, I'm still just stuck on the fact that you made it known that you love us even as you love Jesus. That as we're adopted as your children, It means so much more to you than we can even understand. And God, I pray that each person watching this message today, that they would fall deeper into that love, 
that you have for them. And that God, in response, our love for you would increase. Our love for others would increase as we see that your love is available to all people. God, would you help empower us by your spirit that we would look beyond each other's faults, look beyond each other's wrongs, forgiving each other and creating a beautiful community that's so united and so close by the love that you give to us. And that, God, we could also, in, in, by extension, share that love with others. That we could be inviting others into the beautiful community that you're creating among us, God, so that we would see no person left out, no person forced into the margins, but instead, God, all people brought to the table that we can sit with you, Lord Jesus, and worship you, honor you together, and enjoy each other's company. Help us become that community, God, because we know it's only by your spirit that we can. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.